Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host host Paul Marquis and today we're going to be talking about something that you have no idea about you the Marquis maneuver as you saw in the title is not something that you know or is a common name out there and so um, I hope to uh, show this to you and talk to you about this a little bit and uh, maybe uh, get some traction on this and have you folks use this test that I developed that I find works really really well in our clinic but before I start with that um, I want to thank you all for listening to the show. And uh, one thing I'd like to ask uh, of you is to give me some feedback. Okay. I would like to know what you like, what you don't like about the show. And I understand that, you know, maybe you're on your bike right now or you're out for a run and you're not next to a computer where you can just immediately give feedback regarding this. But um, you know, when you do get home and you have some time, uh, get on to Orthovalpal uh, through iTunes or Google Play or anything like that, and uh, leave us a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate that. Or go to our website, orthovalpal.com, and in the Get in Touch page, um, you know, throw something in there. Uh, you know, I, I like your show. I don't like your show. You talk too much. You don't talk enough. I'd like your show to be longer, or uh, maybe different types of content that you'd like. I'd be more than happy to put on a show that, um, you know. Uh, might be of interest to you, or maybe you're struggling with something. You're struggling with a certain diagnosis, and I have those struggles too, okay? I do not like the SI joint. I have a very difficult time with the SI joint. Um, I can work my way around it and uh, identify certain problems, but it's just not something that is a strength of mine. But um, some of you may have an issue with identifying shoulder problems or knee issues or foot and ankle problems, uh, low back uh, pain, or uh, even things like, how, how do you treat chronic problems? How do you cr treat chronic pain or fibromyalgia or something like that? Um, what I would do is I'll give you my experience, okay? And I have a lot of it and um, we've treated a lot of patients and uh, I hope to be able to help you some more. So uh, please get in touch with me somehow and uh, let me know how you're doing. Let me know where you're from and uh, I'll uh, give you a shout out on uh, one of our podcast shows. So um, well, I'm here today to talk a little bit about uh, a test that um, that I developed. It was about 10, 11 years ago, probably. And I'm going to give you a little story first, okay? Just to kind of prime this and, and give you an understanding on why I wanted to go down this route to developing this new test for the cervical spine that I use in my clinic and that many of uh, the therapists that I work with uh, use in their clinics also. So about 10 years ago, this young lady comes into our office and uh, had an unfortunate fall. She was uh, walking out of her house and up here in northern Maine, it snows, you know, like eight to nine months out of the year. It's crazy. She walks out of her house. She slips on the ice while she's on her cell phone and um, lands kind of on her butt and also strikes her elbow really, really hard on the ground. She has severe discomfort in her deltoid. It's causing her a severe amount of discomfort. And so she goes to the emergency room and um, she they take a look at her arm and she can't lift her arm whatsoever. She can't pick it up. She can't flex it. She can't abduct it. And uh, the pain is really intractable. So they give her a couple shots of pain medication. They do an x-ray. Nothing was fractured. And um, they put her into a sling and sent her home. Two days later, 
she um, goes back to the emergency room because she absolutely can't stand the pain anymore. And uh, so they take a look at her neck and they have her rotate her cervical spine left and right and flex it and extend it. Uh, lateral flexion. None of these things cause any pain. Uh, and she has full range of motion at her neck, but she still cannot lift her arm. And uh, so they did an MRI of her shoulder and uh, gave her some more pain medication. The MRI came back as a severe uh, tendonitis, tendinosis of her shoulder. And uh, so approximately two weeks later, she's still in the sling. She's miserable and has a uh, OBGYN appointment. And um, her uh, provider said, you know what, I'd like you to go down to physical therapy. So she walks into our clinic with her sling, and I know this young lady from previous treatment, and uh, so, hi, how's it going? I asked her some questions and whatnot. And so we took the sling off, and I said, okay, go ahead and try to lift your arm for me. So she lifts her right arm straight overhead, and the left one won't even come away from her side at all. And so... Um, through some evaluation, I've, it was kind of difficult to identify, you know, where the problem was coming from. Uh, she had a lot of discomfort in the shoulder, but not to palpate. I'd lift her arm up and it would just drop down by her side. So for some crazy reason, I decided while she was standing and she was making an attempt to flex her arm, I went behind her and I grabbed the posterior aspect of her neck and I put my hand under her chin and I lifted her and did some manual traction while she was standing. And then I asked her to lift her arm and she lifted it. She lifted it all the way overhead. Okay. Into complete flexion. I let her cervical spine down and her arm dropped back down by her side. So I said, wow. I said, that's, that's kind of strange. So I did it again. And so I tractioned her a little bit. She lifted the arm right up. And so at that point I was starting to think to myself, well, she had full cervical spine range of motion. That was comfortable. That was kind of surprising to me also. Didn't cause her any arm pain. Um, but with the traction, why is it that she was able to lift her arm? So then I started thinking, well, if she's having some compression on her C5 nerve root, which controls the deltoids, it's kind of like, you know, cutting a wire between a uh, switch and a light. Uh, the, the electricity doesn't go to the light and therefore the light doesn't turn on. And so the same kind of thing is happening there. So I had done a cervical spine compression test and a Spurling's test, and both of those were you know, fairly negative. It didn't really give us much information. So I started thinking to myself, what if we could develop a test that not only told us that it was a cervical spine problem, but could identify what level the problem was at? So we were very suspicious that she had a C5 nerve root compression after doing that. Um, and... Um, we sent her to a neurosurgeon. They expedited uh, surgery. They uh, did surgery actually the next day, decompressed her. And because she'd had the compression for such a long time, she to this day has about maybe only 80% of normal range of motion and strength in that arm. So she ended up with some permanent nerve damage. But had we not gotten her in as soon as we did, uh, she probably would have a significant loss of quality of life and inability to lift her arm. So um, that was taken care of. Following that, I started to think to myself, well, let's try to uh, make a study, do a study. And I'm not really good with statistics and numbers and things like that. I like to uh, treat patients and get my hands wet. So I connected with uh, Hudson University, and they actually had a, a class of students that didn't have a, a research project. So they uh, connected with me. I gathered some data for them, and um, they put the data together and helped me uh, piece this all together. So this is how it goes. You take a patient. You put them on a table on their back. 
Okay. And uh, what we did is we took patients who had radiculopathy in one arm and uh, we would, and this is without an MRI first, they received an MRI after the uh, test was performed. And so we would put them on their back. They'd lay down flat. I did not give them a pillow. We would check their reflexes, their sensation and their strength um, for several levels. Okay. While they were laying on their back. Then what I would do is I would put them in a traction device at 15 degrees of flexion and 15 degrees of lateral flexion to the contralateral side. So the side opposite to the arm that was bothering them. Okay. We gave them about 18 to 20 pounds of traction. During that traction, we would retest the sensation, the strength and the reflexes. And then after we did that, we would put them back into a neutral position, take them out of the traction and retest all of those again. And what we found was that they had an increase in strength, increase in sensation, and on occasion, an increase in reflex in the level that was most affected when they were in traction. So it was kind of gave us a little bell curve and it could help us identify. So if the patient had weakness into wrist extension and then we tractioned them and then they had significant increase in strength in wrist extension, then we knew that the level was C6. If they had significant tricep weakness pre-traction and then during traction, they had a significant increase in strength at the triceps, we knew it was a C7 level. So we were able to help identify, you know, a certain number of levels, um, which one it was, and that it was a nerve compression type of problem, a nerve root compression problem, either by herniated disc or a foraminal stenosis type issue. And, um, and so therefore, they would have the MRIs after and we could consistently identify which level was the uh, level of uh, trouble by doing this test. There is a downfall to the test though. Um, not everybody has a cervical traction unit at their uh, offices. And uh, one of the things that we found was that manually tractioning the patient was a, m a much better way of doing the test than using a uh, cervical traction device. The, the cervical traction device was very measurable and you can't measure it with your hands. But in the clinic, when I manually traction the patient, I have another therapist coming and testing the patient either with a dynamometer or doing a manual muscle test on the patient. Um, so we will do that quite often. If we are suspicious that they have a cervical spine lesion, we'll place them on the table. And oftentimes just having the neck extended will cause them to have some radiculopathy. You flex the neck a little bit and then you traction them. You test the strength pre and post traction. And um, if they have that increase in strength, um, you can identify what level it's at. So the other thing that we found with this, uh, with this study, and I, and I use this test on a regular basis, probably on a weekly basis at my clinic. Um, and it really helps us to identify it. So we can say, okay, this patient has a C5 nerve root uh, issue. They go and they have the MRI and it identifies that they have a C5 nerve root issue. Then they go to the neurosurgeon and we can utilize all that information for insurance companies. The insurance company says, okay, well, the clinical test is very consistent with the MRI uh, and there's a significant amount of weakness. Therefore, we are going to approve a visit with a neurosurgeon or uh, approve neurosurgery. And so that has really, really been helpful. But this is what I've learned by doing the test over the last several years is that doing the test is a bigger predictor or better predictor of how the patient is going to do after the cervical spine is de decompressed or that nerve root is decompressed. Okay. So if we uh, find that they have significant wrist weakness, wrist extension weakness pre 
traction. We traction them. They have a nice increase in strength. They're able to hold you much better. And the patient, I don't ask them what they feel. They'll usually say, I feel better and I can hold my hand up a lot harder uh, with a lot better strength. So I don't kind of feed into it. I let them tell me what they feel. And if, if they do have an improvement in strength and a decrease in pain, then you know that when the neurosurgeon goes in there and they decompress that level and they take the pressure off that nerve, that they should have good outcome afterwards. So not only a decrease in pain, but an improvement in strength. Okay. Now, if they have this severe radiculopathy, they have weakness, you traction them and they don't have a significant increase in strength, then I really get worried about those patients because I know they have a radiculopathy. I can kind of identify what level it's at maybe because of a certain loss of reflex, loss of sensation um, or the weakness at whatever level it might be. But I'm more worried about those folks. Those uh, uh, nerve roots have been compressed maybe a little bit too long and they may end up with some permanent nerve damage. So um, what we found was that those folks have a much more difficult time afterwards and the amount of time to heal and recover from that is much, much longer, sometimes a year to a year and a half. But knowing that and giving that expectation to the patient, they will be more patient. Okay. They will patiently wait for the recovery to happen over time. And so, um, that is the marquee maneuver. It's not been formally published. If anybody out there wants to do a full blown study on it, please connect with me and I'd be more than happy to forward information to you. I, I'd love to, uh, see this formally published somewhere, but I'm a meat and potatoes type of guy. I'm in the clinic. Uh, I'm very busy, busy. I own three businesses on top of working a full time job. And, um, so, uh, I really don't have the time or the know-how to do the statistical work. Um, this, uh, I'd love to see this uh, published, and I would love to see you using this test in your clinics. Uh, I will be posting how to perform this test on YouTube, and I will put a link in the show notes so that you can uh, go ahead and take a look at how this test is actually performed. And I find it to be probably one of the more important tests that I do. I find it to give us much more information than the Sperling's test of the cervical spine compression test, uh, because those two tests, um, number one, are not very specific or sensitive to what level it's at. Um, so if you do a Sperling's test, uh, which is uh, rotation. Let's say we are assessing the right side. So we rotate to the right, we extend to the right, and we extend and uh, and we we do lateral flexion to the right side. We're compressing the facet. We're closing the foramen, and we're pinching any herniated disc material that may be in that area. And it gives them pain. It may radiate pain down the arm, and it may not. Um, but it doesn't really tell us much about what level it's at or what the tissue is that is most affected. So the marquee maneuver will tell you that we have a nerve uh, root compression problem. Most oftentimes it's because of a herniated disc is what we found. Um, and um, it also tells you what level it's at. So um, I hope you start to use the test. If you have any questions, please get in touch with me at orthoevalpal.com. Uh, ask questions on there or go to the YouTube channel, uh, orthoevalpal with Paul Marquis. And uh, go to the Marquee Maneuver. Uh, you'll see it right there. Uh, I'm posting it real soon. And um, check it out. Leave questions uh, there also. And I am checking that almost every day and uh, can uh, help uh, respond to, to those questions that you might have. So, again, 
Thank you so much for your time. Please don't think that uh, this marketing maneuver is something that has formally been published or in a uh, big uh, uh, educational magazine or anything like that. Uh, it is something that I do. Uh, the university named it after me, and um, I uh, find that it's very, very helpful. So again, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening, and uh, please stay tuned. We've got tons of content coming up, and uh, we're going to be doing many more podcast episodes. So I hope you're uh, learning from this. I hope you enjoy them. And please uh, give me some feedback. I would greatly appreciate that. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.